everyone who part everyone who partook partook i i don't know yeah we we had to restart this because i did not know how to use partake in past tense so we're just gonna yep. throw that out the window altogether. Welcome yep. to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization connecting people navigating STI stigma to mental health resources. One of those mental health resources is group therapy. We just had our first 12 session cohort of 12 people uh, over the past three months and it came to an end. And uh, I reached out to everyone who took part in it for their exit interview and some people were uh, a little bit nervous about being recorded on the podcast, so um, I just kind of did a phone interview with them and took some notes, but then we got the people who wanted to do the podcast, and that's what brings us Jennifer. Jennifer, how you feeling? I'm doing well, Courtney. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. It's really useful to take what is going on in the healing process, uh, especially with the things that we're trying to create and get people to get behind and support here at Something Positive for Positive People, uh, for you to be able to bring your story and experience here and put it on display for other people to see what's going on, uh, rather than me just making posts and sharing screenshots and things. I think that hearing from people directly benefiting from the services is something that'll be a lot more powerful. So do you want to uh, begin with just sharing your experience with uh, the group therapy? Just share whatever it is that you want to share and we'll go from there. Sure. Um, you know, I came into the group um, with every, uh, not necessarily a group list of expectations, but I just definitely came in it with an open mind to connect to others who had shared, you know, STA status. I think a big part about herpes diagnosis that I see just everywhere is how alone people feel, um, how disconnected they feel from their status or from other people. They feel like they're the only person in their life that they know with herpes. And so uh, coming into the uh, 12-week program, I was really looking just to feel like I wasn't alone. And that's exactly what I got. Um, I think it was the perfect amount of time. The therapist chosen was incredible. Um, everybody was, I think, respectful and wanted the same things. And we kind of built this kind of cool little you know, start of like friendships. And, um, I would say after the 12 weeks and then kind of coming out of it, everyone was sad. You know, we had gotten used to seeing each other, uh, once a week and we're from, we were from all over. Literally there was not one person from the same state. There was even people from Canada. I mean, it was like all over, which just shows the breadth of that, you know, herpes touches everywhere. It really does. Um, it's in every state, it's every gender, every race, every creed, every, everything, every age, um, it was really, um, it was a very eye-opening, it was a wonderful um, experience for me. Yeah, and what would you say were a couple of things that you got out of this that you hadn't gotten in other forms of support that you've received? Yeah, it was really good for me to get to connect with people, you know, newly diagnosed, and then we had people who had been diagnosed for 10 plus years, and that was awesome to kind of see um different people's experiencing navigating, you know, sexual health uh, discussions with future partners. You know, I think in the middle kind of of our 12-week therapy sessions, we even decided to write um, what we would like our disclosure, you know, statements to be to partners or, you know, things like that, practicing some, like, skills. And then just, you know, some other basic mental health 
um, ways that we can protect ourselves, you know, uh, herpes triggers, um, things like that. And, you know, uh, we kind of, it was a very kind of a holistic feel. Um, the therapist let us kind of drive a lot of the each week, you know, she came with some good foundation, but you know, we kind of just decided where we wanted to go. It was a, it was really great. Yeah. Uh, did you participate in any other types of support groups? I just asked that last question, like very presumptuous that you've been in others. Sorry, no, this is my first one. Okay, cool. Uh, yes. That I hope that I set the bar pretty high for you. <laughs> I I mean, absolutely. You know, my, my background is in mental health. You know, I'm a licensed master social worker myself. So, you know, I'm a huge proponent for mental health services in general. And I don't think that this is any, this um, particular need is, is so great. And I know from my standpoint and I think from everyone, everyone in the group was like, this was such a beneficial um, thing for all of us to be a part of um, because it really just connected us and made us feel not so alone. Yeah. Uh, I think that I've given off the impression that this is herpes therapy. And I'm curious to know if that was what your expectation was going into it uh, after seeing that I was talking about doing this and advertising it. Uh, what were your expectations and were they met? Um, my expectations were exactly, I think, what happened. Uh, I can say that maybe a little bit more eloquently. Um, I kind of came in with an open mind, meaning I didn't know exactly what to expect, but mostly what I was looking for was just really sheer connection of people who had the same experience as me and then could just share their experiences. So I um, was a little bit maybe more open to kind of what that would look like each week. I, I was much more interested in hearing personal stories um, uh, and what people were doing in their lives or not doing in their lives or, you know, kind of, I guess, maybe more of those real-life lived experiences um, that's what I was really looking for, that connection, that one-on-one -on -one personal connection. Um, so the structure we had each week building on, you know, different themes. And like I said, then having that disclosure, you know, writing, and um, that was really helpful unexpectedly, but really wonderful. Um, and so, yes, my expectations were also more than met. Good. Uh, so just to get an idea of where you're coming from, do you mind sharing your diagnosis story? Oh, sure. Um, so I was diagnosed almost five years ago now, and I was in a seemingly monogamous relationship, um, but my partner and I were having trouble at the time, so we were kind of sort of like breaking up not together. Anyway, the lines weren't blurred for me. I was not sleeping with anyone else. Unfortunately, he was sleeping with other people and brought home an STI. And so I started to have symptoms and absolutely went to my gynecologist and said, there's absolutely no way that this is an STI. I was like, well, I'm not sleeping with anyone. I only have one partner. And I mean, she was like, okay, this looks like herpes. And I said, I don't think that that's what that is. <laughs> and then, I, I mean, I mean, I'm serious. I like had the absolute 100%. I was like, there's no way. And then, and it also, again, I know a big theme in what you've talked about lately is how herpes doesn't always look the way we were taught. The way I was taught herpes looked, that is not how my herpes looked. It was absolutely not these sores or whatnot. It was little, it looked like a little cut. 
uh, you know, um, and then I got my, um, the results back and it was positive for HSV2 and my life absolutely crumbled down. I mean, I'm giggling now because I, I do feel like I've, I've come so far this past year. And I mean, I will say this, the 12 week herpes course was key to my mental health in this, but it was really bad. I was devastated. I genuinely thought my life was over. I contemplated suicide. I mean, I ran, I ran the gamut. I really did. And, um, my partner and I stayed together and I blamed him forever, but it wasn't really, I've gotten to a place now where there's really no blame to be had, right? STIs are a part of being sexual. If you don't get one, then you don't get one. But the likelihood is you're going to get an STI if you are sexually active, right? Breaking the stigma is about just being realistic about what it means. I'm not dirty. I'm not bad. She or he isn't dirty or they aren't dirty. If they get an STI, it's just price sometimes of having sexual intercourse the price of admission <laughs> it, is, it is the price of admission absolutely and so you know I am learning how to manage it I mean I definitely definitely can say that I did not feel this way prior to our herpes my, the herpes support group I didn't but the more and more we talked about it the more and more I realized it's just, it's just, it just is what it is. It's taking a lot of the pain and it's just also taking a lot of the, um, the, the fact that I can't change anything. There's nothing I can do to change it. This is my life now. So do I want to live it happily or do I want to continue to be miserable? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's in my hands. Yeah. What were some of the first things that you did after you died, after you received your diagnosis? Had you talked to your partner? Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. I mean, it wasn't really a talk. It was more of, you know, lot of screaming and fighting and ang and I was, you know, crying and I thought my life was over and, you know, and I had literally just started grad school like two weeks before. So it was just such a very, very stressful, stressful time. So my, you know, he didn't have any symptoms at first and then he got symptoms right after me. So, um, you know, we're now both HSV positive, HSV two positive. I took, um, daily, uh, daily medicine, daily antiretrovirals for pretty much almost this whole time I've had it because I had recurrent outbreaks. I've really struggled with um, keeping those under wraps. I think I'm very um, stress. <laughs> My outbreaks are very stress-induced. Um, and then also food and things like that. I have, I have a pretty, I'm pretty sensitive. So I'm kind of trying to learn how to navigate what works best for me because I'd like to eventually get off medication. But um, that's kind of where... I've been on my journey and I think it also also was harder for me to feel like I could move forward after my diagnosis because I kept having outbreaks. So it was like, a, it like kept reminding me of this thing that, you know, even when I was doing a little bit of research and reading, you know, there were people like, Oh, it's not a big deal. Everything was like, Oh, it's not a big deal. Even my provider, it's not a big deal. I'm like, wow, it really feels like an effing big deal to me. Okay. It feels like crashing down. That's how it feels. Mm -hmm. So did you end up staying with your partner after? I did. And then we broke up for a couple of years and we have actually since, um, uh, gotten back together. So through therapy and a lot of other things. So, mm -hmm. and that's a very, 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 very recent, like within the last few months. Oh, wow. Okay. So literally <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about that because a lot of what's, broadcast on social media is they're your ex for a reason don't get back together 
And you and I have had a significant amount of rapport over the last few years. I want to say at least the last a year and a half, maybe. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I'm more so curious about your decision making around the relationship in that, you know, y'all broke up, you were cheated on. How do you go from being cheated on and being disrespected in a relationship, having whatever time apart, and then getting back together? Is it like you recognize, all right, well, he wasn't perfect, neither was I. Um, what what led you to coming back together after yeah. especially so many years? Sure, and you know, I I am living proof that everybody's story is their own story, and I, prior to this relationship, I had never stayed with someone who, you know, cheated on me or whatnot. I've never actually been cheated on that I've known of, so I, I can't say that I really even know um, how to best answer that question other than I know for me that I'm also a very damaged person. I'm not perfect. Um, I I think that we all come from different places where we need different things, and I think cheating is one of those um things in a relationship that have lots of reasons that aren't necessarily about the other person. And so cheating isn't necessarily about me. It's about what this person is lacking or what they need or whatnot. And I do think that um, people can change. I mean, that's my story and right what's good for me. And I'm absolutely not saying that that's what anyone should do. I think there are a lot of people that are like, absolutely not. That's my line. Nope. If it's going to happen once, it's going to happen again. And that's perfectly fine. I said that for years. I tried that for years and that just didn't work out for me. I feel like this person is my um, partner. And I think that for us in the future, if non-monogamy is something that we look forward to, then it is. I, I just, I think, you know, he and I have gone around and around and we've decided what's best for us. Or I've decided what's best for me, I guess, really. Because it was really all in my, it's been all in my court this whole time how I wanted to do this. So, um, I feel like for me, this is the right choice. I didn't, I kind of skated around that. I don't feel like I really answered your question very well. So Sorry. it wasn't about how you answered the question. It was more so about where you're going to say things that indicated that this was about the herpes. Like it's just easier. Oh. To, yeah. I, I, I wanted to ask that without asking it to see what your answer oh, would be. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. And you know, and you know, interestingly enough in the beginning, I will say that my first knee-jerk reaction was I have to stay with him because of herpes it really was but then I broke up with him and I broke up with him and we went our separate ways I actually was in a completely different relationship for six months and I was and I was completely accepted I disclosed I, it was the scariest moment of my life I but I was 100% accepted loved carried out a relationship and then I just wasn't happy I missed him I realized this is he's the love of my life I don't know what that means but for me, that's how that worked. And so we then tried to build something. It took a whole other year, though. I mean, not even, it took more than a year. Th therapy for him, therapy for me, we've been split up. And now it's like we're trying to build something together. And we'll see if it works. That is so just, beautiful. Well, thank you. I, you know, I, I will never say that traditional has ever been my bag. And I will also say that I think that if there's two people, three people, however many people, it doesn't matter, right? Whatever is good for the couple or for the people that are wanting to do what they're wanting to do right in a relationship of whatever kind, as long as there's communication, 
trust and we're building stuff like that, then that's all you can do. And I do think people can grow up. He was very, very young. I know that's not an excuse, but I, I find that, you know, the maturity has, has started to pick up. So that's always a plus. Um, so how does the relationship look different now compared to before? Like what's, what's changed? What's, uh, are, are, have you decided, you know, what it is that you need from him that he's able to give? I guess like, I'm more curious about how to support others who may be listening to this in navigating whether or not they want to get back with an ex or if that's the right thing for them. Absolutely. Um, I would say for me and our story, um, having someone who was completely accepting of, you know, where we were, meaning there was a lot of blaming I did. I guess you could say in the beginning I was really angry. I kind of, you know, would have moments where I would, you know, blame him. I can't believe you did this to me. You took, you know, my freedom away. You did this, you did that, you did that. He kind of was like, okay, you know, I did. I'm sorry. You know, it was very apologetic. And of course, just beating someone up constantly was where we just both were like, this is not healthy. We're not really doing anything. And again, that's why we split up and why we just stopped speaking and we went our separate ways and um, kind of coming back together. I see someone who is not personally affected by the things I'm saying and always constantly needing to be beat up. Whereas like before he felt like he deserved that punishment and then I was punishing. It's more of, hey, listen, we're moving forward, we're moving forward. This needs to go away, you know, this is what it is. And I kind of felt um, that, I guess what I call it, growing up. I don't really know a better word for it. I feel like he was kind of taking ownership of his feelings. And because of that, I, I could then really be responsible for what I was bringing to the table and versus just acting like a victim constantly. So, um, I would say, and then the honesty piece is a big one. And it's, it's really honestly just trial and error. I came down to the fact that my heart kept being pulled toward him. I kept feeling like, you know, I want to be back in this relationship so if I have to do that, I have to give us a real chance. I can't be living in the past. That's gone. We're here. So this is what we're doing. So we're moving forward. And that's it. And then I told myself, he's either going to cheat on me again or he's not. That's pretty much where we're at. Yeah. If he cheats on me again, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, just like he could die in a car crash. I could, I could, you know, I could wake up one day and fall in love with someone else. Like, there's a thousand scenarios that can, that can happen. Yeah. And so I can live in this perpetual space of what if, or I could just be present today. And I, it really, really is about presencing myself for me and being like, where are we at? So, um, sorry, I got a little sidetracked no, from your question. Um, the honesty piece has been big. Um, him actually telling me things to follow through, you know, those kinds of things. Like, and it's just day to day, mm-hmm. every day. You said, you you mentioned if non-monogamy is in the picture somewhere later down the line, dot, dot, dot. Uh, I was curious because uh, I feel compelled to ask you this. Like, is non-monogamy a proposed cure for cheating? I don't think so at all. I don't think in our textbook it is either at all. I think it was more of um, I'm almost 10 years older than him. And so I think that there's like sometimes like a sheer sex drive difference. So for me... You know, if it was something that, like, I just wasn't wanting to do, 
then, you know, why, and if, you know, why break up if like a person can get, you know, a sexual need met when that's all that it is, you know, those kinds of things. I just think that there's a lot of, um, I just think there's a lot of conversations that can be had in even monogamous relationships for people as, as long as there's, you know, 100% trust and everybody's on board and those kinds of things that, you know, if one partner needs something that, you know, I'm not able to give then, and they can get it elsewhere, but yet they're 90% happy, you know, it's like, why break up something good? You okay. know, for those kinds of things. So. Yeah, yeah. I was just making sure because it seemed like an incomplete thought, and I was like, uh, "Oh no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't think it is. If anything, I think that that's it's kind of the um, it's the opposite because all it does is really um, it's almost like gives fuel to bad behavior. If like you know what I'm saying, like if if you're in a relationship and the person is like a cheater and then they suggest non-monogamy, that's just giving them an excuse for their bad behavior versus yeah. like actually being respectful to all parties involved, including themselves and things of that nature. So, yeah. So what was the reason y'all broke up before? Um, I think, like I said, it, it had just gotten toxic. It felt very toxic. We just were arguing all the time. I felt resentful. I felt unhappy. He was like, I'm tired of, you know, this going like this. So we just, we split. I, I thought I needed to be with someone else. I thought, there's no way I'm going to be happy with this person who cheated on me and all those kinds of things. And then that turned out to not be the case yeah. for me. So now is the behavior that ended the relationship last time a deal breaker for this relationship? No? Yes. Okay. We did kind of set very, very clear boundaries. I said, you know, this is kind of it. I guess you could say if these same behaviors happen mm-hmm. for me, I, I just, I don't see how, we could ever move forward again. You know, it's either the behavior has changed or it's not. Yeah. Uh, And I have a question in regards to, uh, I guess this is my own general curiosity here, of (laughs) um, therapy. So you're both in therapy. Is it couples therapy or is he in therapy and you're in therapy? So he was in therapy because he was working on the road. I'm in individual therapy. He's moving back to the Dallas area where I live and we're going to start couples therapy. Okay. So, yes. So, I've always felt weird about that. I'm like, if I need to be in therapy with someone, like, so soon in the relationship, is this a relationship that we need to be in? Like, are we making an effort to mold ourselves to fit one another, whereas I could just meet someone I'm more compatible with, and the therapist, if we choose to go that route, would be something like later down the road as uh, assurance of, you know, yeah, things are great now what happens when things are not great? Whereas here, it seems like, hey, things haven't been great, so how can we make them great? Does that make sense? It does. And, you know, so he and I, we've been on, we've been doing this for seven years. So we have a lot of history. And, you know, therapy for me and for him, where I feel like is it, it's a mutual, or uh, it's a, excuse me, it's a neutral ground where we can both come, someone who doesn't know us, someone who doesn't have vested interest in either of us, and can really just kind of give us tools. I think for he and I, a struggle we've had is our communication styles are very different. So like, I'm a talker, he's not. I think that's common for a lot of people. Uh, So just like little things like that, I think we're looking for tools to like make us stronger so that I think some of those other problems that we had in the beginning, lack of communication, uh, unwillingness to like, you know, where do we go from here? Those kinds of things. I think that's what we're looking for through therapy. And 
I do think that having the trauma that we've had, the sexual trauma in particular, I think those are things that can be healed in therapy. Absolutely. Yeah. For us. Okay. I appreciate you sharing that and I appreciate all of your vulnerability here um, in diving into the aspects of the relationship as well. Um, So I guess like being in a relationship after going through the, um, the group therapy, I guess, what did you take away that can be applied to this relationship specifically? Um, let's see. So, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talked about, a lot of the people in our group, you know, had lots of different varying needs and questions. And I know for me, I was going through therapy. I had just started a new therapy, individual therapy, at the same time as this group therapy. So it was like bombardment of information. I would say more than anything for me, what the group therapy provided me was a reminder of what I was like, what I'm bringing to the table in general, this um, inability to let go of the past, you know, clutching really to ideas that weren't serving me, Um, blaming and, you know, uh, being angry again over circumstances that aren't going to change. And I think also, too, a lot of it was I beat myself up because I was still in love with this person that I shouldn't be in love with. And, like, I've really had to come to terms with that is that just because these things happened, I don't think it never changed how I felt. I don't know what that means. I don't know, again, if it might speak to someone, but I I never felt like it was uh, speaking to my low self-esteem or anything like that. It really wasn't. If anything, it was just I think that – we are all people who can mess up and that doesn't make us any less worth loving or being loved or, you know, moving forward or whatnot. And so I kind of got a lot of, um, acceptance in myself and in my choices and moving forward and, you know, just really taking a hold of my life and doing what the fuck, what the fuck I want with it, you know? What I'm hearing in all of that is self-forgiveness. It, oh, boy. And, you know, I'm so glad you said that because that was actually something I brought to the group. I think, like, four or five weeks in, I just had a really profound moment. And I wrote this kind of message, and I wrote it in my notes on my phone, and I read it in the group, and it was all about forgiveness. And I said the greatest gift that one can give to themselves, to others, is forgiveness. Because then it frees you. It's not only forgiveness for yourself, but for others. Because all that's left after forgiveness is all of this beautiful space. All of this beautiful room to just exist. Without questions or needs or anything. It was um, very, very powerful. Yeah. So in your experience that led to you writing that in your notes, what was that? Like, what was happening? Was this like a shower thought or what? It was, interestingly enough, it was a lot of, it was a, the span. It was, you know, my relationship. It was my father. It was my mother. It was also a friendship, a long, long-time friendship that I kind of let go of. And ironically, first or second week of group therapy, I had this really profound moment where I realized, because we were talking about disclosure stories that had been painful, and I was like, oh, I don't have any. Cause I was thinking about my sexual experience with the person that I, you know, partnered up with who completely accepted me and that I realized, Oh no, wait, 
I've been judged, treated poorly by someone who was the closest to me, who continually basically rejected me and my STI status and was a huge source of pain that I kind of uncovered. And then I've now moved forward with kind of letting go this thing that I was just clutching onto. It was really, really holding me back and not serving me at all. I'm really like happy for you. This is great. This me is, too. I'm very yeah. happy. Very happy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And you said that you were in that dark place in the beginning of your diagnosis. You said you had even contemplated suicide. Can you walk me through that a little bit of why? Like why suicide? You know, it's such a you know being in the group and listening to other people's stories. It was just such a similar. Um, dialogue, I heard the same thoughts from so many people. It's like, for me, I, I guess I just did not realize how much knowledge I didn't have about, about actual sexual health. I was raised in a place in Texas where we got zero actual sexual education. We were told you know, sex leads to babies and sex leads to diseases and here's a bunch of pictures and don't have sex and abstain and, you know, Jesus and God and that's it. And it was, I mean, and it was like, if you're, if you do these things, you will get this and you are bad and you're disgusting and you're ruined for life. And I think there is a a greater kind of pressure put on women. You know, I think women kind of have this uh, greater pressure to not be dirty. And if you do anything, then you're dirty. And there's all these weird social stigma attached to it, I think. And so then I get this diet. I just can remember being in my twenties and it was like, don't get herpes. Don't get, I mean, it was just like really, really ingrained in my head. And I felt so proud of myself and I'm putting that in air quotes because I mean, what is that really to be proud of? I was so proud that I made it through my thirties and I made it, you know, I made it to my thirties and I, you know, escaped the herpes I thought. And then, you know, (laughs) Not wrong. Gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, I, um, anyway, I just, my world came crashing down. I guess you could say I, this little bubble that I had created for myself about what it meant to have or not have an STI. I just, I just absolutely had no, um, real knowledge whatsoever about what it meant, what it looked like, what it, I didn't, I felt like I didn't know anyone. I never knew anyone. I never heard of anyone. Um, the few people that I did here, they were, you know, these seedy characters who lived some kind of really, you know, different life than I did. I mean, it was, you know, and it was always in a very poor, negative fashion that these people were talked about. And I was always in my head, like, I'm just glad it's not me. You know, I mean, and that's awful, just awful now that I think about it. So I, I think I went through the gamut, you know this is it. I'll never be able to have sex with anyone again. No one will ever want me. I'm undesirable. I'm disgusting. You know, all of those kinds of things. And I'm a pretty, I'm pretty good at self-deprecating. I've been, I've been doing it to myself for as long as I can remember. Um, so this was just another thing to add, I guess you could say to the, to the list of complaints I had about myself. And so it just, um, it just, and then of course I had, um, lots of outbreaks and that just did not help me at all. Um, I wasn't like one outbreak and then nothing. I was like, burp, 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 just back to back to back to back to back. Mm-hmm. And unless I was taking daily medicine, I was, I was and having an outbreak. And so it was just, it was very, very hard for me. Very hard for my mental health. It was tough. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, so is there anything that you want to say about group, uh, whether positive or negative or what could be done different or better? Because um, y'all are legitimately setting the stage for how this looks moving forward. There may be multiple versions of this running at one time. Uh, there could be more therapists. There might be smaller groups, larger groups. Um, Y'all literally are setting the stage for this. So all of your feedback is what's going to be taken into consideration. Awesome. Well, personally, I loved the group size. I think we had like 12. Um, I thought that was great. I also personally think a little more would be maybe like 15. But I know that with a one hour each time, that gave us at least enough time to everyone kind of talk. You know, if we were asking questions, things like that, I think that that was still a manageable amount of people. Smaller, of course, would be better. Um, but I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily know if I would like smaller. I enjoyed that there were more people, more experiences to share, more stories to hear, more lives lived with experiences lived. Um, I think it was facilitated in a wonderful way. Um, the therapist we had was amazing. I um, thought it felt very natural, very holistic. It moved um, in a way that felt natural. And so personally for me, I, I enjoy that. Um, I, I could see maybe if you wanted to make other groups or like fashions of groups, I could see people maybe wanting more like intense, maybe treatment options or something like that, looking if they're like, you know, really in bad head spaces, things like that. Um, maybe wanting more intense. I felt like this was kind of light, which I enjoyed. I thought that was nice. Um, but I could see something like that. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, personally, I, I thought it was spectacular. Many of the people who reach out to me aren't in who want or who will be in group therapy are... I'll say that they're more of like kind of where you are. Uh, everyone was very like, you know, I, I guess this is bothering me. Maybe let me just reach out for something different. Anyone who might be suicidal, who's super duper depressed, uh, they don't, this doesn't appeal to them. They want something different. They want something else. They may want, um, and anyone who's suicidal, like I have to encourage to call the suicide lifeline because therapists that I work with don't work with people who are suicidal right then and there. I think sure, it's a liability of or something. Um, mm -hmm. Now that you've gone through the 12 weeks of group therapy, what do you need now? Um, you know, I'd love to, you know, keep in contact with the people who are in a group if they were interested in that or, you know, um, do another group. Um, personally, I would love to do another one. Um, I could see myself being a part of this, even just for the connection of other people, letting them know, you know, my story, things like that. I think a lot of the people in the group, that was the shared, that was a shared uh, value. Everybody was just so happy to connect with others, um, you know, that kind of thing. So I think hearing other stories is encouraging, seeing people beginning in their journey. You know, we had we had newly diagnosed people, I'm talking, you know, for six months, you know, to 10 years. So hearing that progression, seeing the progression that it does get better, um, that it will, you know, get easier or, you know, just trial and error, stuff like that. People would bring in disclosure stories every week. Oh my gosh, you guys, I had this win. I disclosed and it was so awesome. You guys, I had this, you know, disclosure and it went terribly. 
or you guys, you know, da, 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 it, that, that it was just exciting. Even if it isn't for you to like be a part of others, you know, navigating this space, you know, this paradigm shift that we're in, we're changing. Courtney, you are changing the landscape, you know, for people with this, um, very manageable STI that have been just kind of forgotten. I mean, you know, we've been pushed aside or whatnot, or I guess, you know, providers just haven't taken it seriously enough. And so, you know, you're doing such a service to everyone. So I would love to be a part of it in any way. Thank you. I appreciate that so, so much. And uh, like I said, you know, your feedback, everyone's feedback who's gone through this is going to be what leads the direction of something positive for positive people therapy moving forward. Um, I offered to, uh, if anyone wants to stay connected, add everyone who goes through group therapy to a, a Facebook group. Um, it's just a something positive for positive people podcast community. I guess that's what that can be. Uh, there's probably 60 people in there and I'm the most active person. I go in <laughs> and I'm like trying to get convos started and you'll just see like if you scroll through, it's just me posting, me posting, me posting and you'll see like one like, <laughs> but uh, perhaps like getting some liveliness in there. You've already built community with one another to be able to get you all into that space and add people to it. Uh, perhaps that'll be enough of a community for people to stay in touch uh, after having gone through the session. So that's yes. something that I'll keep opened up for everybody. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Um, anything else you want to leave us with before I let you go? Um, I can't think of anything, no. All right. Yeah, well, thank you so much for your time. And you all heard it here. You hear how Something Positive for Positive People Group Therapy is going. Um, it's been initiated. It's going to be a thing continuously. And hopefully people are able to get to a point of self-forgiveness with themselves out of this, be able to set boundaries, be able to disclose. And our overall goal is Something Positive for Positive People is to integrate this kind of a resource with STD prevention efforts. It's as simple as that. So if people are diagnosed and then presented with this as an opportunity to be able to get into group therapy, then we may have a society that is a lot more understanding and empathetic of SCI stigma, not just herpes, but if we're empowering people who are newly diagnosed to be able to go off into the world and disclose soon after because they've gone through a process of healing in a safer uh, space that's facilitated by a licensed mental health care professional, then we, we changing the game, y'all. We changing it. So y'all can donate to Something Positive for Positive People by visiting www.spfpp.org. That's the acronym, Something Positive for Positive People. And you know what your money is going towards. You're hearing the episodes here. So thank you in advance and thank you in hindsight for everyone who's participated and supported us, however you feel comfortable doing. Till next time, stay sex positive.